Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. This is a podcast all about saving the best and burning the rest. Nice. And we're coming at you again from a studio. Feels weird. I don't know. I feel just so professional. <laughs> yeah. Weirdly enough. Well, I feel like the unprofessional nature of our podcast is going to be shown up by the quality of the studio. So either it will help us or it will hinder us. Yeah. I don't I know. Mean, this which... whole room is noise treated. Yeah. And sealed. It's legitimately the, walls the most are made of, uh, made of? acoustic Sorry. material. Josh is currently getting up. He is feeling the walls. Do you know? Oh, they have they're hard and they have holes in them. There's no echo in the room. So how good it sounds. I don't know if you can hear that, folks, but Josh is screaming like a madman yeah. away from the microphone. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Probably couldn't hear it, but I'm just impressed. I mean, you're 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 a music guy. You're a you're an audio guy. So this must be like a kid in a candy shop for you. A little bit. There's like a guitar, a piano, a bass. Yeah. I don't know what's in over there. Maybe a drum kit. Who soon, knows? Soon Josh will treat us to a few covers <laughs> from Dave Matthews, maybe uh, Ed Sheeran, perhaps. <laughs> well, uh, Sam Smith. I'm who not knows? Sure. Who knows where? Hey, can you do covers in podcasts, or is there like a? There's a certain limit. There is a certain limit, mm. but it's also a very murky middle ground. Huh, we should um, look into that. We should. Yeah. yeah, could be a fun episode. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do a Dave Matthews cover. That's a shame. Yeah. Everybody is disappointed right now, Josh, <laughs> including Dave Matthews. Yeah, himself. Yeah, David. Sorry, <laughs> I know you're listening. <laughs> so today we have no guests. It's the two of us. Just the two of us. See, there's a cover. Wow. Is the podcast going to get taken down for this? I, oh, I hope not. Whoever owns that, please don't sue us. Anyway, we are we are we're stoked to be together <laughs> as always. It's always a good time when I can be in the same room as you, Josh. It is a beautiful uh, thing. So today we are we're hustling. <laughs> we're hustling. We're bustling. We are working hard. Mm. We're getting that money. All that to say. <laughs> I'm trying to think of as many cheesy aphorisms as possible. You're doing great. Yeah. Today we're talking about hustle culture. Mm, or just striver culture in general. I like the that. term. Yeah. Mm. You you keep saying this word striver culture. And I think that is that's a good that's a good term. Because I think hustle culture is the more widely used term. Mm. Perhaps it's perhaps it's the inference. Right, mm. hustle culture feels positive. It feels like I'm doing something, I'm getting somewhere, I'm achieving something. But sometimes the reality doesn't always live up to the hype. Oh yes, might I say? Mm. If you could, if you could define perhaps striving or is it strive, striving or striver culture? How would you want to define our terms? I don't know. Mm. I think I'm going to say strive. I'm currently reading a book. Okay, for context. I'm currently reading a book. I'm not that far through it, so I'm not an expert on this, but I'm reading a book called Thrivers at the moment. Yeah. It's recommended to me because of my work in an educational context. It's not a Christian book. It's just a <gasps> educational book. Yes, I know. Shocking. Yeah. I read other books. I read books <laughs> sometimes. Um, next, next, you're going to tell me you watch television shows <laughs> that are not Hope Channel. <laughs> Well, let's not go there. <laughs> Let me just get up who the author is because I have forgotten one second. Let's go to the title page of the book. Michelle 
It's Josh is struggling. Borba? Josh is struggling Borba? to pronounce the word Michelle. Yeah, just yeah. It's, Michelle Borba is that? I think so. Anyway, okay. Good book. Lots of research done into it. Clearly. Anyway, but the whole thing about the book is like how to create like thrivers, like you know, in the next generation compared to strivers. Okay. So at the moment, you know, she's gone around to all of these places all over America and whatever. And, and I think the same problem is present in the whole mm. Western world and probably beyond that too. But just about like going to kids and like, man, like these teenagers and even kids are burnt out mm-hmm. and they are striving hard. They're striving to try and get here in Australia. We'd call it a really high ATAR at the end of the last year at school in America whatever it is there, it's like that final grade trying to make that like maxed out so that you can go to, is it, I don't know. I'm don't, trying to think of the actual terminology for America. I have no idea. Yeah. Anyway. Um, so American listeners or well-read listeners, tell us what it is. I'm not sure. But yeah, yeah essentially they, they, yeah, they're striving for this, like getting this final mark so that they can get into this specific university mm-hmm. or whatever. And, all, and look, it's not necessarily that, that stuff is a bad thing. But the problem that she's saying is that their their entire mindset is made up of trying to get to this spot or trying mm. to make X amount of money, all that sort of stuff. And essentially, they're not actually thriving. They're only striving. Right. Yeah. So they might achieve their goal. They might not achieve their goal. But irrespective of whether they achieve their goal, there's no actual emotional intelligence, satisfaction, payoff. Yeah. For them at the end of all things. Yeah. You know, it's just creating a lot of problems because a lot of kids, Mm. even they get into that course, they get into that job and they feel empty or they're trying to please their parents and they feel like no matter what they can do, they just cannot please their parents. It's really, it's been quite an insightful read. I'm not, like I said, I'm not not really that far through it. And like the rest of the book is more like, it's basically the whole thing is that they, to create thrivers instead of strivers, they need character as kids and we need to work on developing character traits in our young people, there's like all these different character traits. I won't go into it too much, but you know, things like self-confidence, things like empathy, uh, self-control, integrity, all these kind of things mm. in the book. I'm not really giving away too much of the book because it actually goes into real detail about defining those and how to build those in young people. It's really interesting so far. Mm. So anyway, essentially what was, what the author is saying is that we need kids to have character and if they have character, then they will not just strive in life because it's not bad to have goals, but they need to be founded in, in healthy places. And I guess it just, it was just making me think about like, well, actually this goes beyond just kids. I see this everywhere at the moment. Like you talked about hustle culture. It's huge. There are a few Instagrammers I follow because they have helpful, like practical tips on different things I'm interested in. Like, you know, some people have different like social media templates that they use, which I find interesting and I use for church stuff or, and then there's all sort of blown into content about like, Here's how to make X amount of money. Here's how to get this many followers. You have to post this many times every single day. You've got to hustle, 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 grind, 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 all that kind of stuff to try and make it. And mm. so many like channels I follow, even ones about different like YouTube tutorials and how that, they, they move into this stuff because it's so popular right yeah. now. And there are so many famous uh, YouTubers, content creators, all this kind of stuff who are just blurting out all of this stuff about hustle culture, about like, having these things and working like every single day, like all of them, they say, you need to work seven days a week, be working on this stuff to try and make it. And I'm like realizing, I don't think this is healthy. (laughs) (laughs) And a lot of people are realizing that too. We're not really doing anything about it. Yeah. And I think it's impacting not just our kids, but um, young adults, 
adults. I think it's impacting a lot of things. Yeah. So that's the sort of platform for the conversation I wanted to have today. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's break it down because I think there's a lot in what you just said. And I think that we could definitely go deep on a lot of those different things. The first question that I have in my mind, and I don't necessarily have the answer, even though I, I'm, I'm thinking through this, why? Why is this suddenly the in vogue thing? Why is the Sigma grind set the thing? <laughs> I sorry, I couldn't I don't even know what that means. I don't know. <laughs> I think it comes from the fact that there's like, the alpha male has been like a meme for a while. Oh yeah. And then now we got to classify ourselves different ways. So now the Sigma male is the thing. Okay. And so you have to have the Sigma male mindset and then you're going to grind because you got to grind hard in order to get where you got to go. So it's Sigma grind set. Right. I'm not going to take your word for I'm it. I'm not an etymologist, but anyway. <laughs> Okay. So, okay, this this is my first question. Why what has precipitated this sudden popularity in hustle culture, in grind culture, in, you know, there there's always been high achievers in mm -hmm. our society. Mm -hmm. All right? There's always been people that have pushed hard, the doctors, the lawyers, the people who want to go somewhere, who want to you know, the entrepreneurs, those those sorts of people. They've always existed in mm. every culture. Mm. But particularly in the last few years and on the internet, I think the internet has played a massive role in this. Mm. This has become, this has exploded. Mm. The get rich quick schemes, oh, the, yeah. the, guru, the financial gurus mm. who will sell you a course mm. so that they can sell you another course so that they can sell you another course. <laughs> yep. If you've seen any like of the YouTube videos on this, you, you've, you've seen like a lot of these guys. And, and the premise, I think, the premise I think is, is really positive. Okay. Mm. There's um, become your own boss, mm. so that there's autonomy. You know, you're yes. not you're not beholden to the man. You're not you know stuck in a nine to five. Oh, you know, they love throwing that nine to five card out. Don't you ain't they? you, you ain't going to be in a cubicle no more. Mm. You know, so become your own boss. Financial freedom. Mm. Do whatever you want. Be whatever you want. You know, go to somewhere in the world. Float on your yacht. You know, do do whatever. So there's autonomy. There's financial freedom. And then I think there's just under, underlying that is just freedom in general. Yes. I can live the life that I want to live. Mm. I can make my own decisions. I can be my own master. I don't have to be beholden to anybody else's rules. I can, to use a loaded term, escape the matrix. <laughs> Very loaded term, but yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And hey, it captures a lot of people too. It's yeah. a lot of people see that stuff and they want it. They want it bad. Yeah. A lot of young people are terrified of being stuck in a nine to five job in a cubicle or whatever. And I, I don't know, literally movies like the matrix probably made people like scared of that because they watch <laughs> it in like the very first, you know, opening scenes is Keanu Reeves stuck in a, stuck in a cubicle. Right. And the colors are all weird. And you know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. there's so many movies, like even, even fight club, it's the same sort of thing. Yeah. Like these fight iconic club, movies. Yeah. The matrix office space. Mm. These are all sort of late 90s, early 2000s screams for help yes. from a culture that is bored, that, is, that feels stuck, yep. and that doesn't feel like they have any freedom at all. Yeah. And so you end up with this, I think this generation of people who are like scared of being 
enslaved into all of it. And uh, I guess I can understand, yeah. you know, I don't think it's, I don't ever think it's like unreasonable to want to have a great future. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. why these kids now are working so hard. They don't want to get stuck in like, I, I talk to teens all the time who are like, oh, I just don't want that nine to five job. I'm like, too scared to tell them that most jobs are actually eight to five, but you know, <laughs> but yeah, I guess I, I don't know. Like, and I, I don't even know where to start, honestly, when they mm. start bringing this stuff, this stuff up because there's so much. And I think there's some interesting points I think about following Jesus and the gospel. And I think we'll get right, to that. Let's, right, but let's, right, right, let's right. talk about, I, I just want to reassure people that there is, there is, some Jesus at the end of the tunnel. We'll get there. We're pastors. We, yeah. we can't help it. It's going to make it. But, you know, there's some other stuff we've got to talk about first. I have I have one other theory. Oh, yeah? Just to lay the foundation. and Capitalism! You know. No, but actually a little bit. Well, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Pretty yeah. much. Okay. So, right. so we live in a post-COVID world. We also live in a world where inflation is mm. running out of control. Oh, yeah. We're also living in a world where inflation has been proved to be mostly a lie for a lot of the world because mega corporations have been profiting in the excess of tens of billions, in some cases, hundreds of billions off of the quote unquote inflation that's been happening in the world right now. Mm. Your groceries are off the charts. They're more expensive than they were before. In, in mm. the UK, I, I, I just recently saw that the average household is now spending 210 pounds more on their groceries than they did before Brexit. Whoa. That's that's a big jump. Yep. Yeah. Pounds are a lot. There are a lot yeah. of Australian oh. dollary dollary ruse. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of lot of sorry, I'll, I'll keep, keep going. This yeah. is ser- this is serious job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um yeah. Uh, fuel Right. Yeah. We had the whole crisis in Ukraine and, you know, what you call Russia shutting off its pipelines of, of, of petrol and natural gas to the rest of the world. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and then there's, there's the housing crisis that's happening in Australia and in the rest of the world mm. in various places to varying degrees. Yes. It's much worse in Australia than a lot of other places in the world, unfortunately. Yay us. Welcome to Sydney. Woo-hoo. Worst of the lot. <laughs> <laughs> like anyway. actually. Yeah, I know. Yep. So, okay, this is the world that we live in right now. Mm. So put yourself in the shoes of 19, 20-year-old. Yeah. Okay? You're living at home, presumably. You've just finished high school. Maybe you're going into uni. Maybe you're going to a trade. Maybe you're you know, stacking shelves at Woolies. Who knows? Yep. Either way, your financial prospects for the future, unless you're the son of a millionaire or daughter of a millionaire, not that great. Like, you're looking at the world right now. And you're wondering, can I live in this world? Yeah. Can I afford to live in this world? Well, like, to be honest, I know people who are sons and daughters of millionaires and they're just as scared. Unless they're a son or daughter of a multi, like a tens of millionaire. Sure, you know what I mean? Sure. Like it's yeah. become the, the whole millionaire thing. Even it's like. That's true. The average house in Sydney is like no, well over true. a million, you know? Yeah. So it's like a. Yeah. It's weird that our language even has to change around this stuff. I mean, yeah. I know exactly what you mean, yeah. but our language has to change around this stuff because the world is changing and going. So, And that's, that's funny. Yeah. I, I literally read an article the other day where basically millionaires are now experiencing financial envy the way the rest of the world looks to millionaires. Like wow. the billionaire is the new millionaire, apparently. Yeah. Right? And 
yeah, yeah. So anyway, you're a young person, all right. We're we're not that we're not that old. So this is definitely hitting us. I'm you know I'm building a house right now, not in Sydney because I can't afford to, mm. but I'm building a house outside of Sydney, and even that's expensive enough for me. So that's a stress. Mm. You're living in Sydney, you know. You've got a kid. I don't have a kid. That's another financial stress. But then imagine that you don't have savings. Mm. You haven't worked for 10 years or 12 years or however long we've been in the workforce for full time. And you're looking at the world and the prospect of becoming an entrepreneur, being your own boss, being financially stable, being free and not having to work for a soul-sucking evil corporation because let's be honest, most of the biggest ones kind of are. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're not here to talk about the ethics of, of mega corporations, but that's an attractive deal. That, mm. it, that's, that's an attractive deal. And sure, you might think in your heart, okay, statistically most people aren't going to make it because that's just how it goes. What if I could? Mm. What if I could work really hard and put the time in and put the effort in and make smart decisions, I could rise above the rest of the people who are just mindless drones going about their day every single day, every single month, every single year. I could, I could get out of that mess. I mm. could elevate myself out of that mess. Mm. It, it seems like a fairly dystopian picture. But there's plenty about the world that's a little bit dystopian sometimes. Don't worry, guys. It's all dystopian. <laughs> I, don't uh, I don't know. That's a pretty dark picture, but but you, you, I can see I can see the appeal. I can. I think what it's created is that fear mindset and a scarcity mindset sort of thing. Like they just feel like there's not enough to go around. So I've got to get in and and mm-hmm. get what I need. And I think that like like you said, there. Are, I think there are a lot of causes. I think just the online, just the comparison trap that we fall into. We can probably think a lot of people are a lot wealthier than what they actually are Mm. just by what they look like, what they drive, all that kind of stuff. Mm. And even, you know, like there's just, we see a lot of people online who have quote unquote made it, you know, like, and so we, we compare all the time to them. We think, I just want to make it, you know? Mm. And so I think it's that made that, that fear that there's not enough to go around and I have to get out of this. I have to, and it's not even necessarily a bad thing to want, like, I don't know. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. It's coming from a place of wanting to live a good life, right? Yeah. And maybe you want to, you know, you have a special person in your life. You want to marry them. You yeah. want to have kids. Yeah. You want to give your kids a good life. Yeah. All Absolutely. that. And so I guess the, the thing is, it's like, what do we, what do we do about it? Because it is yeah. creating unhealthy habits in people, unhealthy yeah. mindsets. I also think the Bible does say stuff about the way we should be thinking about these sort of issues mm. um gosh jesse where do we start well i think I we've think- laid a pretty a pretty compelling and dark picture <laughs> let's uh paint a happy little sunshine in it well i uh, look maybe. i think i think maybe we should separate our terms a little bit because yep. there are people in this world who are just hard workers mm. you know and that's what they do that's just what that's what they're wired to do when they're doing their work they are happy and that's what gives them joy and fulfillment. There are people who are doing PhD studies and they have to work hard. Otherwise, yeah. they won't get their PhD. Oh, yeah. 
But for the majority of people, the net benefit at the end of the day is the almighty dollar. Mm. So I think for a lot, I think for some people, you know, hard work is a value. Maybe mm-hmm. it was instilled into you by your parents. And so, you know, you were taught that if you work hard, you know, you'll be satisfied in life. Yeah, that was definitely a value that was taught to me by my parents. Yep. It's not necessarily something that I live by all the time because um, <laughs> I'm not a perfect person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and sometimes I am lazy. <laughs> but I think that for some people, that's something that is part of them. But that's not the desperation picture that we're obviously talking about here. Mm. And I think that there is a striving in many different areas of of life. There's academia. There is, you know, climbing up the corporate ladder at your workplace. There's the entrepreneur, you know, which we've obviously heavily that that's I think not a new thing, but definitely, you know, it's become in vogue a lot more so. Um, and then there's things like in your relationships, in your in your marriage, you know, working really hard at that, working hard in your with your kids, you know putting everything you can into your, your children to, to give them the best upbringing possible. So I think for me, at least the way that I am thinking about it, again, comes back to what place is this coming from? Mm. Is it coming from, as you said, a scarcity mindset of, well, there's not enough to go around, so I better get mine. Otherwise, somebody else will take it from me. Yeah, And that's obviously a very unhealthy place to come from, but it's honestly probably the place that most people are coming from. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, I guess there are limited resources in the world, but that's also part because some people are hoarding a lot of them and some people have virtually nothing. That's right. We'll have nothing. I mean, we, we live in a society where carbon emissions are just going off the, off the roof. Mm. Fossil fuels generate most of the power in our world, mm. even though renewable resources could probably do most of the work. There are companies, there are individuals who have a vested interest in still sticking with the fossil fuels that we're draining out of this earth slowly but surely yep. because, well, it drives the price higher. It <laughs> means more profit. And yeah. that's just how it is. And we know it works. You yeah. Know, like just- and this is not even a conspiracy theory. I feel like when I say these <laughs> things, it's like a cons- But this is just documented fact. This is what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Um, People open up a, I don't know, a coal mine or whatever, and they want to keep it money. They want to keep it running. They yep. want to make money from their coal mine that they've put all this money and effort into running. And I, like, I get it. Whatever. Fair enough. That's the business. I understand wanting to- I understand wanting to make money. Yeah, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like more of it. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, keeping people in jobs and stuff. Yeah. Obviously, that's important too. Man, I feel like we're getting into some real big picture stuff here. But well, I, yeah. It comes back to connected. the individual. Yes. Because I think I think this is the thing that sort of drives everybody. Yes. No matter if you're a uni student or you're the CEO of a coal company or whatever, you mm. know, that that's that's just that's what's driving us. So, okay, we're here not to address these big fundamental systemic issues. That's not our place, even though, you know, it'd be great to see some of these things change. Yeah, I feel very underqualified to speak into those things. And so, <laughs> likewise. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, we can talk about the individual part, I guess, in it. Correct. And that striving, striving, like constant striving. And so, 
maybe let's talk for a moment about, I mean, I think we all know the effect of burnout. We pretty much live in a age where burnout is a yearly occurrence in a lot of our generation. Some of my best volunteers at church were burning out and that's why. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's become like expected. Yeah. Because we live such a fast, we've lived such a fast paced lifestyle. Burnout has just become a, yeah, I don't it's know. I, I saw something online facet. about, yeah, burnout is just a millennial rite of passage, whatever. You know what I mean? And I was just like, <laughs> wow, that's, that's sad. It is sad, isn't it? Yeah. And so I think what can we do to create healthier cultures around work and achievement? Mm-hmm. And again, I don't want to say there's nothing wrong with wanting to achieve things in life. There's right. nothing wrong. In fact, I actually would say it's very wise to have goals. Yes. There's a proverb and it talks about, you know, without vision, the people fail. And I think it's really true. Mm. I think we need to have a vision for our lives. And part of that, I think, is working out what, um, I guess, like, for, like from a spiritual context, like, what has God placed me here for? Like, mm. what does success look like? in my life and it actually looks different in everybody's life and that's okay. That's mm. actually a good thing. You need to embrace that. For some students, success is a really high final score. For some students, success is finishing. For some students, success is getting into that particular job. Yeah. You know, all that kind of stuff. Like it just, and that's just with students, but all of us need to have, what does success look like in my life? Mm. Does it need to look the same as that online content creator that I'm watching? Does it need to be their picture of success? Is there actually a better picture of success that works for me? You know, for me right now, part of being successful is just being a really good dad and working on that. And that takes time. It takes time away from my other things in life, which can be difficult sometimes, but I need to remember that, that for me, that's a real big point of success that I want to make in my life. Yeah. I don't know. What do, what do you think? Yeah. I think if we could, you know, maybe speak to the students for a moment, whether you're in school or uni or or whatever, there's a quote that I think was attributed to Albert Einstein, but I should know better than to just say, this is what Albert Einstein said. We can do that a lot. We say a lot of things. A lot of people like to (laughs) randomly say Albert Einstein quoted. Anyway, Uh, ask not what you can do. Anyway, use the force, Luke. (laughs) Albert Einstein. (laughs) The, The quote goes, you know, the, the thing that we often expect of our students is like lining up a monkey, a giraffe and a goldfish and saying, in order to pass the test, you need to climb that tree. Well, you know, for different people, success looks different. You know, a monkey can't swim underwater uh, like a goldfish can, you know, goldfish can't reach the highest leaves on the tree like Mm -hmm. a giraffe can. But a lot of the time we funnel different people with different abilities and different what what success would look like is different for them, as you're saying, and tell them that in order to actually achieve success, they all have to do the same thing. Yes. And I think that's wrong. Personally, I understand that we have a schooling system. I'm married to a, a teacher. We have standardized testings for reasons. Yeah, it makes sense at the same time. It makes sense. There's only so many resources that can go around and I'm not going to be sitting here criticizing school or teachers, but I think that part of education is also to recognize the unique gifts and talents that different people have. Yeah. And some schools do that better than others. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. And that goes beyond students as well, Mm. right? You know, when it comes to church, whether it comes to family, whether it comes to our friendship and our, our relationships, you know, we should be way more open than we often are of, of not funneling people into a specific role because that's what's needed or that's what is urgent. Yeah. And rather taking the time to figure out where gifts and talents are and 
using those in a way that's going to be life-giving for the person. Mm. But if we could step back for just a moment, the biggest driving factor as we've identified into why hustle culture, striving culture is so destructive is because of that view of the world and what the world is, that there's not enough. And so I get it better get what I can get while I still have the time and the, and the resources to do so. Mm. But even that mindset of like, when you view the world like that, you have to, you be, your, your role in the world sort of becomes to dominate it yes. and to, you know, to defeat it in a way. Yeah. And it's you against everyone else. Yeah. Everyone else becomes your enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Which can be so unhealthy. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I would hate, I'd hate the idea of like, I guess like students fighting, like being mad at another student for achieving, you know, right. because. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Like even when I was in uni, I guess there's like that, that sort of temptation to be like, oh, they did this one, yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you have to fight that because it's like, no, like, can I, can I just celebrate someone else's achievement? Mm. And I'm confident enough in the fact that I tried my best and that's good. And I'm achieving what is success to me. Yeah. Yeah. Could I use a, a board game analogy? Of course you can. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be weird if you didn't use a board game analogy. Yeah. Okay. So this, there's a really kind of cute, but annoying thing that my wife Karina does sometimes. When we're playing a game against each other and she wins, oh yeah, she'll apologize. Really? Yeah. It's nice, I guess. Yeah. It's kind of nice, but I also get really annoyed at her <laughs> because it's like, you did well. You played better than I. You took better opportunities. You, you outperformed me. Therefore, what is there to apologize for? I should be saying, well done. And I, I really should be. And I, you know, I usually do. But then usually (laughs) sometimes she beats me so hard that I have to (laughs) retract my male pride and go and sulk. No, but, but you know, that whole thing of like you, you achieved, therefore I should be happy for you because you've achieved, even if it was at my expense, it's a really hard, you know, ego lesson to learn sometimes, Mm. but I shouldn't shy away from that. And I, I, I get annoyed at her sometimes. I'm like, hey, you, you won. You did really well. You should be proud of yourself. Well done. Mm. Rather than, oh, I'm sorry I beat you. you know? <laughs> she doesn't do that with other things, just with board games. <laughs> Maybe it's just because board games are such a passion to you. Yeah. 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 Beating, me, beating me at my own game. Yeah. It's terrible. But I think board games make an interesting analogy for this because you play a board game well depending on how you play the hand you've been given. I mean, depending Correct. on the game. You know, Not Correct. everybody has an even start in every game yep. in a way. Maybe maybe there's a deeper thing in that. But I think like mm. games I've played, sometimes you get, what was that? I was playing this game, Wingspan. Oh, yeah. The one about the, the birds. Bird, the bird game. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. And it's all... It all comes down to like, what are the first birds you get in the game? And, and like, there's how a do you huge make it work? deck of those birds. Yeah. That's always going to be different. And you can never guarantee what birds are going to come out. No. And you got to, you got to work out like, man, what, like, what's my strategy going to be that I, I mean, ultimately the, the aim is to win the game. So there is just one, mm. but somebody could play really well and probably, probably play the best in the game, but still not win. Yeah. Because, because of the hand. That yeah. Because. Dealt. What they dealt, yep. you know. 100%. I think that's reality. Maybe not with every board game, but definitely with some. Yeah, Ra- random chance is an integral part of any game, whether it's a board game, a video game, or just in life. Because you know, if it was the same every time, you'd get bored of it pretty quickly. Yeah, you would. Yeah, absolutely. And I have friends who get really upset when they dealt a bad hand, 
and they grumble and whinge because, oh, well, this was so random and you got mm. such a good hand and I didn't and it's not fair. And it's like, well, yeah, it's not fair. You got a random hand. They got a random hand. It's totally random. But also we got the same amount of cards. We have the same opportunity mm. to use those random it might not be cards, it might be pieces, it might be whatever. Whatever, yeah, yeah. Yep. You know? But we all have the opportunity. Yeah. And it's just how you it's how you play the game. Yeah. Somebody can get dealt say. the best opening hand ever yep. and still lose the game because they play it poorly. Yeah, because they're a potato. You know, it's just <laughs> <laughs> it's <laughs> sorry. But but my yeah. my my mind with with gaming has really, really changed over the years. When I first got into board gaming, I wanted to win. I just wanted to win all the time. That mm. was what I was focused on. Yeah. And you know, when you play the game, you should play to win. You shouldn't play to lose. That's a bit of a silly strategy. <laughs> Over time, my focus shifted from I must win every game to I must play the game in such a way and I must create such an environment that everybody who's around the table wants to come back for another game later. Oh, that's good. So the win for you is not winning the game. It's that people want to come and play again. Exactly. That's great. That's a great rule for success. I think it's part of it's it's you know different people have described it like it's game theory or mm. the infinite game or whatever the case mm. may be but you know all human accomplishment has been based on cooperation and collaboration yeah and if somebody climbed to the top of the tower and said look at me I'm the king of the castle na 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 I'm better than everybody else nobody else would want to come and play with that person. No. The, pe- the people who are most successful in life have, are the ones who have been able to mobilize large amounts of people to achieve a collective goal. Sometimes that person ends up winning little more than their followers. But as a general yeah. rule, that's, that's sort of how life works. We win not when we go ahead alone, but when we can actually bring people around to mm. us. And I think this, this feeds back in. I, I was going to share this before, but I, you know, I always get sidetracked. How do you see the world? Do you see the world as not having enough? Well, if you're a Christian, then you can't see the world that way. That's mm. just to see the world that way is just absolutely contrary to anything that we believe as Christians. Got a great Bible verse for that one. Hit me. You ready for this? Philippians 4.19, baby. And my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Yeah, a little bit of a proof text, but <laughs> but it's true because yeah. I know that that is definitely not the only verse that says that kind of thing. Like no, there are not. abundance, but I think it's true. We'll just word it in different ways throughout scripture that we can't, like maybe there is, maybe it does feel like there's not enough to go around the world, but if I was going to preach for a moment, there is always enough God, you know, like God has always mm. enough for us and it's for our needs. Like, I don't know. Mm. I just think that's, we have to look a bit greater than that and yeah. just look to, look to him to be the supplier of our need in a lot of ways that maybe I need to work on more, but yeah, we all need to work on more. I mean, maybe. G- Jesus said this explicitly right in the Sermon on the Mount. Mm. I mean, he really gets into people's businesses when he says, you know, look at the lilies of the field, you know? Yes. God can provide for you. Don't worry about what you eat or what, what you're going to drink tomorrow, what you're going to be clothed with because mm. your heavenly father, he's got all that under control. But how hard is that? Like how can That's I not right. worry about tomorrow? You That's know what right. I mean? 
And uh, you got to think of the context that Jesus is speaking into. Yes. Like Roman taxation in the Middle East in that time was like insane. I, I think if I remember correctly, I, I have talked about this before at some point, maybe in a sermon, but I think it was like 80, 80% or something. What? It, was, it, was, it may not be that number, but it was insanely high. Basically, if you were under the thumb of the Roman Empire, they were extracting as much out of you as humanly possible, sending it all back to Rome mm. so that Caesar can have his palace by the sea somewhere. That's how, that's how it worked. There was yeah. not enough to go around. Yeah. And yet here comes Jesus, says, hey, guys, don't worry about it. Your heavenly father knows exactly what you need, and he's going to provide exactly what you need. These are, these are povos, you know, for all intents and purposes. <laughs> these what are, a terrible description. I know. I know. But <laughs> yeah. these are most likely most people living in, in what we would call abject poverty. You yeah, know? Wow. The world that we live in right now, even though there is incredible inequality right now, is a far more wealthy world across the board yes. than the first century. Yes. We pulled a lot of people out of poverty yeah. in the last decade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is amazing. And yes, still a lot of work to do in terms of wealth inequality and, you know, justice for those who are oppressed. But yeah, you're totally right. Jesus speaks into that then and it's that same truth now. I recently preached a, a sermon on on the idea of courage, I guess. And, you know, when Jesus says do not fear, I don't it's not removing the emotion mm. entirely out of your life of fear because that's impossible. It's actually it's an emotion that is meant to be there because it helps you stay safe. Like, you know, yep. if you're in the bush and there's a tiger or whatever. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> like Lots of tigers be- in the city yeah. bush. <laughs> I don't know. It was the first thing that came to my mind. It was part of the analogy <laughs> I used. Watch the sermon. Anyway, the, the idea is like that you've got fear that it's there so to keep you alert, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so it's, like, it's, it's normal, but the idea is in your everyday life that fear shouldn't be the dominating ruler of your decisions mm. and way of life. Jesus should be. Yeah. And so when you're letting fear dominate every single decision and life choice you make, can become unhealthy. Of course it can. Yeah. The idea is that Jesus is stepping in and saying, just let me supply the mm. need. I'm not telling you to do nothing. Like mm. he still talks a lot about work and about like living, living a life in a way that is, you know, with integrity and yep. living that God for life. Like we're still, you know, generally we still have to have jobs and have things we do with our time because I guess that the difference with the, the mindset we talked about before of when, when you're, when you're scared of everything in the world, your aim then becomes to dominate the world and to, yes, Whereas in the Genesis narrative, when man and woman are created, we're created to rule the world, but to mm. rule it with love and with blessing. The whole mm. thing with Israel is that they're meant to be a blessing to the other nations around them. And I think maybe if we, if we changed our mindset, I guess, to being like, you know, how can I use what I have to bless? Maybe things would change. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. And, and to be sure, you know, when Jesus is speaking, he is using very confronting language on mm. purpose. Yes. You know, he's using hyperbole to mm. shock people out of their mindset and to challenge them with something that is completely different. Yeah. This doesn't come natural to, to you and me. I mean, no. I'm, I'm, I'm natu- naturally mistrustful of, of my position in life and, and I, I, I don't think positively about the future necessarily. I, I, I feel like, you know, I need to do more in order to go, higher, achieve mm. more, get more money. That's natural to me. Yeah. You know, many people are naturally quite anxious. Mm. And if you look out your window, 
or on the news. Why wouldn't you be? Yeah, there's so much reason to be anxious, I guess. And to be sure, we don't live in that perfect Genesis world anymore. No. Yeah. Which is sad. But then Jesus comes onto the scene in the first century and he invites his followers to live as if the kingdom of God is right here, right now. And part of that is, I guess, to bring us back to Eden, you know, to bring us back to that time when there was enough and that God could provide everything that you would need. And you don't have to strive in order to be satisfied and to be happy and to be at peace with the world and with people around you. And I think that the, the, major, the major shift, though, in all of this is the reality that we face every single day. Mm. And because we don't live in that Eden world anymore, it's not something that just kind of comes natural to, to us anymore. It's something that we actually have to choose. And we have to live with that every single day of saying to ourselves, actually, I choose to believe that even though the world is in many ways a dark place and a place where there's not enough, that God actually can provide maybe not what I want, mm. but what I actually need. Mm. And whether that looks like poverty, whether it looks like riches, whether that looks like health or not health, that's a really tough pill to swallow. But I don't know how else I can be at peace with my world because I know that there's so many things that could go wrong at any moment. And mm-hmm. if I just work myself into a anxiety over trying to prevent all the things that could possibly go wrong in my life, I know I'll probably make a mess of it anyway. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, I don't know. There's so much, there's so much to talk about with this topic and trying to, I guess, unpack the idea of where we're headed as a culture. But I guess, I don't know, we can become so scared, like what you're talking about. But I think if we are constantly entering any stage of life or space of like thinking through the questions like, what, what has God got for me to do here? What does success look like for me in this space? How can I be a blessing to those around me mm. in this space? I just think like, it's not going to get rid of every problem. It's not going to make everything perfect, but I think it's going to give a deeper reason mm. than to just make money or whatever, or to just <laughs> be at the top, to just win, all that kind of stuff. And again, like, I don't know if we've done an episode on this or not, but money is not a bad thing. The love of money is evil, but sure. like, yeah, but it's like when, like money is just a tool, right? Yeah. And it's like, sure, having more of it, you've got more tools to bless more people or whatever. But at the same time, it's a very distracting tool. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Like you gotta be the right kind of person to handle having a lot of money and handle it. Well, I don't know. Like, I guess that's a whole thing to unpack in a whole nother, a whole nother time. But I just think like there is so much opportunity and you know what, maybe those big, maybe if you do end up in an eight, eight to four job, eight to five job, what a nine to five job in a big corporation, there are people there who need to be blessed. Mm. And maybe it's a moment for you to, I don't know, be, be like that voice of, of God's love in that space. I don't know. I have no idea. Maybe, maybe there's somebody there who needs prayer. Maybe mm. there's a whole floor full of people who need prayer and mm. need that non-anxious loving presence in their life. I don't know. Like I think who knows where, where the world's going and where we're going to end up. But I guess there's, there's so much opportunity and I want, I want, 
to see young people stepping into that. Yes, sure. Do your best. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. You know, if you want to be a, if you feel called to be a doctor or to be a, I don't know, what, what's another really hot, a, a vet? <laughs> a rocket surgeon. Yeah, yeah, a rocket surgeon. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like whatever those, a, a physio even, they need sure. to, but whatever. Like or to get, there's a specific uni you want to get into and they, yeah. like all these things. Yeah, you're going to have to work hard and that's the reality. Mm. But why? Why do you want to do it? Mm. And just allow God to speak into that. Why? I think there's just so much. And, you know, same for uni students. You know, you want to graduate with honors, whatever you want to get your thing into your master's or go straight to your PhD. Awesome. Like, go for it. I believe in you. But still ask why. Like, it's such important questions. And ask, mm. like, what is God doing in this space? What? Yeah. How does God want to work? And I just think maybe we can, maybe the church can help, help turn the ship you know yeah. <laughs> on this maybe if we are sending people out into the world constantly who are in there not to dominate not to you know not to just quote unquote win all the time but people who are out there to bless and to love mm. i don't know maybe maybe we could actually see something incredible happen through the church i think that the church spends far too much time moaning about the world that we have mm. and not enough time Casting the vision for the world that God is building. Wow. Oh, quite that. <laughs> so good. Yeah. What's, what's the world that you see? Mm. Do you see the darkness and the disease and the depression and the, the things that are there? Okay. Acknowledge them. Deal with them in an emotionally mature way. Mm. But that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is heaven coming down to earth. The end of the story is God making his throne among his people, the city of God being on terra firma, living amongst us. We don't all go to heaven in the end. God comes down to us. And that is the reality that the church has been entrusted with communicating. And that is the world that we have been called to live as though that's the reality right now, mm. that God has made his kingdom among us and that his reign and his rule is on earth as it is in, in heaven. And I think if our vision was cast to that as, as Christians more than the evils and the woes of the world, then the world that we could build as a result of it mm. would be a far better one right here, right now. Yeah. It's that Lord's Prayer, hey? your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. It is in heaven. It's almost that's like new earth. Jesus spelled it out for us 2,000 years ago. Yeah, <laughs> almost. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. It's amazing. I was actually yeah. listening listening to um, an audio book on the way. Tyler Stanton from Bridgetown Church. Okay. It's a really cool book, Praying Like, Praying like Monks, Living Like Fools. Really good book. We're going to talk about it more in another episode. But just in the chapter that I just read, he had this really awesome quote, and it's just like, God doesn't. God doesn't just dream of a church on fire, but a city reborn. Mm. And I was like, that's so mm. cool. Because I think we often think we have to get our churches on fire and, and happening. Yeah. And that's the end goal. Yeah. But no, God uses a church on fire, but it's for a bigger purpose. And that's to make a city reborn, bring new life to a city. That, mm. And I just think what, a, what an exciting thing to, part, to be a part of. And like, mm. hey, let's, let's bring people up on this. Mm. Um, what can we do to, to bring like God's mindset, God's love, God's blessing into, mm. into the here and the now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Good. 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 <laughs> I, th I think we've landed the plane. I think, I think that's a good place to, to call it. 
We've solved all of the problems. I'm all the problems are solved. <laughs> problems? No, no, thank you. No more. We figured it out. All good. No, look, no, look, I guess I guess, oh, I should just mention there are still obviously there's problems. There still are problems and there's still things and we don't have the answers to everything. But I think that small mindset shift, I don't know, I think it could make a big difference in people's lives. So want to encourage you guys with that. Thanks for listening, being a part of it today. Any last thoughts, comments, Jesse? No, I, I think that, yeah, what you've said is is really powerful. And again, you know, what is the world that you see? Yeah. How do, how do you see the world? So, yeah, that that's all that I have to say. Helpful. All right. We love you. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, that is Josh and Jesse out. Thank <laughs> you.